Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group, interact with us there. All right, Nick, I'm going to dive into the last out of the beer fridge. Some yingling flights. I know you love them. So it takes you back there to you the go. golden days of <laughs> the golden days of $35 kegs. Yeah. I'm going to jump into these. Why don't you get into some buy and sell? Well, I'm going to buy what I think we're all excited for. So I'm going to go ahead and be the first person to say it. Warm weather. Mm. Had a warm weekend here in Vegas. Uh, we've had a long winter. Yeah. or vegas we've had a long winter it seems like in a lot of states look you got some parts you know of, of northern california northern northern nevada and places that got 600 inches of snow uh we we just had a bad winter time you know just wasn't enjoyable wasn't a lot of fun so i'm gonna go ahead and buy some warmer weather it uh, looks like we're still gonna get down into the 30s high 30s tonight here but by the weekend we'll be back up to 80 and uh, hopefully we're headed to sunny pastures here because I've had enough of the winter. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Definitely, definitely roll on out of here. Winter, not a fan. Uh, we're right in the same boat, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Got to celebrate uh, this weekend with some nice weather and it was wonderful. I'm buying, uh, uh, I'm buying a little different. I'm buying actually, if people didn't catch it, the yin and yang from last week's episode. And I, I don't think people caught it, but I'm buying it because it, that's what makes us, every time I see it, I always say like, that's what makes us unique, right? Nick, why do you like a watch? Well, because it's mechanical and it's great to like a car, a car's mechanical. That was his. Mine, I talked about experience, right? Like, yeah, that hanging your hand out the window, feeling the, the breeze in the watch, feeling it as you move your arms. But Nick went the way he thinks, and I went the way I think. And I just, as I was looking back at that episode, I just go, man, I love it. Yeah. That's what makes us very unique. Good call. Uh, the uh, uniqueness of our, uh, well, our yin and yang. So I was attempting something this weekend, and I almost bought this, but I had to go with it. I almost bought that. Since you don't let me do two buys, I'll do an I almost bought, right? I'll do an I almost bought. And it was I almost bought the reverse sear that I attempted this weekend. I did it with some picanha, and it turned out really, really good. Oh, I put it in the smoker for 30 minutes while I was doing some ribs. We had some ribs that we were eating on that we did uh, Sunday. And so Saturday, I put uh, put the ribs in the smoker, and I went ahead and put some picanha in the smoker with it and then did the reverse sear. And as I'm doing it, Listen, it turned out great. You could taste that smoke flavor, but as I'm doing it, I got the the worst, right? And this was Saturdays. For those of you who remember, what was Saturday? It was the first of April. I'm in the zone, right? I I I've got the ribs, they're in the smoker. I got the pecan. Now I'm out on the grill. I'm getting my sear on. And I get the hey, did you check your phone? And she played the best April Fool's joke on me. Because there's nothing that any man would want worse than a new car getting wrecked, right? You get oh, yeah. that, hey, I, oh, I had yeah. a wreck. It's a new car. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. The best April Fool's joke ever. You, you're yeah. not an April Fool's joke guy, though, are you? 
No, I got a few from people where they tried to send me some stuff and I don't know. I, it's cool when they're pulled off, but there's a certain point where some of it's so unbelievable. You're like, yeah, dude, I know you're doing something. Oh yeah. Look at my watch. Look at my phone. It's April 1st. This sounds ridiculous. So it is ridiculous. There's no doubt about it. I saw some funny stuff detailing wise guys making up products or, you know, we're launching this or we're launching that, or we fired someone or whatever. That stuff's fun and enjoyable, but it's not actually something I think about. My brain doesn't work that way. Like it's, I, I very rarely know when July 4th is until somebody's like, Hey, you realize it's July 4th weekend. I didn't realize most people are off work this Friday. As an example, I'm like, what is it? And they, they tell me, I guess it's good Friday or something. So a lot of things are closed. I just don't think about it. And the same goes for Christmas or Thanksgiving. I always have to be reminded. So it's not that I'm not into it. It's just not how my brain works. Yeah, well, it was mine wasn't working at then. I've always loved April Fools. It's one of my favorite days, but it wasn't working then because I was so into yeah, all right, making sure it's all in. Make sure. So the ribs turned out great too. We went over, ate the ribs on Sunday. Well, as you're experiencing, which most of us experience, anytime you get that climate change, what do you also get? A lot of high winds, right? Here oh, yeah. in the, the Midwest right now, high winds, a lot of dust, pollen. And I want to get into and pick your brain on that. But what else we're getting? Right now, trees that are deciding to bleed, apparently, which we call sap. And when you yep. get these high winds like we had, we had basically a storm of tree sap blowing down. Uh, oh. I went over to my sister's house to eat, and we got walked out to the car afterwards, and my brother-in-law was checking it out, and he's like, well, what's all this all over your car? And I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Tree sap all over it, blown from a oh. neighbor's tree, covered Horrible. it. Horrible. Covered it horrible all right but uh dustin had talked inside of uh, the specialist group so i want to pick your brain you can't use right tree sap if your car's coated we're gonna just wash it right off if it's not coated what what's your what, what, you know what i've what's had your i've had good luck i've had good off? luck with steam you know I, I i steam uh you can you can also use some solvents different things like that sap is one of those things about you know sort of like bird droppings if you catch it early on a coated car you shouldn't have an issue if it sits there it bakes and bakes and bakes and bakes and starts to harden up and starts to you know set itself up you get into a worse position i've had great success with steam maybe light solvent on a rag pick your solvent of choice they they all pretty much work uh, on tree sap i found uh so I I've been pretty lucky. It's been a very long time since I've dealt with tree sap. It's just not something we have much of here, but yeah, when I did deal with it in my career, uh, steam and solvent seemed to, to, to even take the toughest sap off. Yeah. It's the best though. Like when you get people that go, Hey, I've got this thing on here and it's just like this little circle. I, I don't know. And I, they pick yeah. at it, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you're picking at it. You're scratching your paint. You're scratching your paint. The sap's still not coming off. Yeah, no doubt. I've had a bunch of those calls in my career. Yeah. Not fun, but yeah, it's surprisingly also one thing that does help if you get it off, you have to get it off early and you go, Hey, listen, I can't go grab something. Goo gone. Yeah, you know, good call. Something soft, something like that. It's not going to harm the paint. Will help start to break it up. Uh, what you don't want to use, though, right? And this is what Dustin had found. Is we, oh man, whenever us as detailers find these, it makes us cringe. 
Dustin found inside of one of his customers a California duster. Do you even remember? Ooh. I mean, who came out with that? Who that that person should be put on a firing line and shot. And, yeah. You know, I thought it was the California duster company. <laughs> I, I'm I'm serious. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's some somebody else, but yeah, I mean, that was probably the biggest change in the detailing culture right is that california dusters were looked at as a positive thing early in our career like we just didn't know better right no one knew better it was like yeah you need to dust your car off like the knowledge we have today people take for granted that that's just what you knew back then we didn't you know plus you had stronger paint systems lacquer paint this systems and things like that single stage you know some really tough paints uh you also had some soft lacquer but at the end of the day, one of the things I think that that's amazing is to watch the transformation of our knowledge, right? Now we look at it and cringe. You couldn't say that at the beginning of our career when those made the the rounds. You just didn't know any better. We went, oh, and, cool. And yeah, yeah. Now you know better, right? It's like a chamois. We didn't know that there was a better way because the chamois was the way that people dried cars. And so, you know, with, with, with all of this stuff, we always had to remind that you just don't you don't know what you don't know. Now you see it and you go, Oh, that's a scratch machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definitely a scratch machine. But so right now, as you talked about warmer weather coming, birds are out, flowers are out. What's that mean? You got bees and pollen. Yeah. Pollen's starting to cover it will over the next months cover cars. We're not going to use a California duster. We've already solidified that. Please. Let us know why. What is it that's specific about pollen? I know we're all going to go, yeah, no California duster. Okay. But why not? What's special about pollen? And then what should I do? Yeah, pollen is a lot more harsh than people think. It's actually pretty abrasive when you go to wipe it, whether it be with a duster or a towel or anything. Pollen to me is a lot different than just dust. Okay, dust, if dealt with correctly with Eco One and a Versatile or something like that, you can pretty much safely remove that. I have a different viewpoint on pollen. I think pollen is extremely abrasive. This is when okay, your guy at home don't have a pressure washer. I'd use a hose with a, a, a nice attachment. Uh, but if I'm a, a professional, it's pressure washer or nothing. I'm not touching a car with pollen without being able to rinse that pollen off. I don't find that this is a great solution for rinseless and waterless. And again, some of you in California under water restrictions or, or things like that, I completely understand you don't have a different choice, but there comes a point in time. I just think it's too abrasive to deal with, with just a, a waterless rinseless and a towel. I, I actually, this is when I think uh, w water and a pressure washer is your best friend. All right. Well, best friend, apparently for many manufacturers right now is not their transmissions. And for some reason, I've been seeing some, well, glaring uh, red, red recall alarms going off for yep. some transmission problems. Uh, not fun. Not fun at all. No. And, all and you're seeing, you're seeing the effects of, of COVID, right? Uh, productions were in really bad spot. They were rushing things. They were doing all of these different things, which is why on our Saturday episode, I always told people during COVID, I remember talking to a lot of guys that were ordering Corvettes at the time. I said, hey, there's a high level 
there's a high probability that during this build time of COVID, you're going to run into more mechanical fit and finish issues, et cetera, simply because the supply chain was so messed up. What people didn't realize is a lot of times they were assembling things like a transmission, completely closing it, and then having to reopen it and add a part later on. Because again, they didn't want to shut their plant down necessarily. They wanted to keep things rolling. They wanted to look forward. But it's the same thing we saw with so many semiconductors. Build the whole truck, build the whole car. Then I'm going to go in after the fact and plug the semiconductors in. That That's a little tough to do since they've never done it before. <laughs> it's never been assembled that way. Cars are not easy to put together, right? And now you're seeing the effects, I think, of COVID and all these things that hit the streets during that time. And you go, they were just bound to have problems. Now, in all fairness, recalls happen every day, all day, and have ever since cars were being built. So to sit here and worry about it, are we seeing more engine trouble? Look, I think we're seeing more oil leak issues than we definitely saw the previous 10 years of cars being built because, again, they were going in after the fact and putting parts in after a truck was built, after a car was built. I think those things are pretty obvious and glaring, but in all seriousness, this has been happening for as long as I've owned cars. So is it different? Maybe, but it's also kind of the same. All right. So here's an interesting other uh, red light alert that I got that I, I think you'll find it to be funny and ironically interesting. GM, uh, We'll lose Apple CarPlay and Android Auto Support in their EVs. Oh, you there you go. That's, you think that's hacking? That's what I thought. That's immediately what I thought. I went, whoa, they probably yeah, you know. Somebody I, I also, knows something. I also think, yeah, I also think they're paying these licensing fees. They're paying a lot of things. They're trying mm -hmm. to cut costs and making it profitable. I think it can be all of the above. They want to bring things in-house. They want to be in control of everything. They want to, you know, cut out the middleman, so to speak. I think that's probably going to backfire, and you'll see it reintroduced. And they can do, uh, in electric vehicles or a lot of vehicles now, they can do over-the-air, uh, you know, software updates. I think it's quite possible if this backfires on them, then they can find some way to get Apple CarPlay in there and Android and all that kind of stuff. Who knows? I mean, I think we're at such the infancy of all this stuff. I don't know why most of the stuff's being decided, right? Like, you don't know whether it's a cost-cutting measure or they're really trying to do the right thing or they're trying to, you know, uh, they're going to go in this other way. Look, Chevy, and especially when they had the Q system, had such a bad infotainment. Why they're not outsourcing it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Just bring in Apple CarPlay and call it a day. Yeah. But, you know, at this point in time, nothing surprises me. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we'll we'll see more and more uh, things that don't surprise. One thing that did surprise me, though, is a chance. And now this is just a chance. See, last recession, Pontiac went, hey, the Firebird's got to go. No more. So last recession, we saw the closing of the Pontiac Firebird, but with Camaro. Well, they saw the Pontiac brand. They took the Pontiac brand. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. The whole Pontiac, yeah. Uh, yeah, Saturn. Saturn was another brand they closed down. The uh, the, with the emergence though of Camaro saying, Hey, now we're full EV, this is a chance, and that's some people are saying now's a chance for them to come back with Firebird and go, Yeah, okay, we're gonna come back. But are you you doing that in the gold? Are you gonna, you gonna do gold? 
Are you a gold guy? No, a gold I, on the I, car and by guy? the way, I don't, I don't know that this is going to happen. Look, I, I talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. The Camaro thing has been botched. They said it's going away, but I swear it's not going away. And Chevy just completely botched all these announcements somehow. Like, if you're canceling Camaro, cancel it. If you're changing it to EV, say we're changing Camaro to a full EV platform, I think here's the interesting thing that if you bring back Pontiac Firebird and you do all EV, what is the point of bringing it back? And and then their argument would be, well, it's never been easier to bring it back, right? Because I'll just stick the skateboard on the bottom. We'll put a new body on top. We'll ship it out the door. And so again, I'll believe anything. I, I believe it's going to be easier than ever for them to, all they have to make is the body. Remember, if the electric skateboard is already made, they just have to make the body. So this is what you're seeing inside the Hummer world. It, Hummer was easy to bring back because they just built the skateboard. Now they can build all their platforms on top of that skateboard and all they're changing is the body. So it's going to be interesting to me. Do they just say, hey, we're bringing everything back? Or do they say we're not doing any of it? And, and I think Chevy's messaging has been horrific on this stuff. Confusing. Well, nonstop confusing. No doubt about that. Uh, I, I hope they do, though. I hope they do, you know, and I hope we get another Smokey and the Bandit back out there. I do. Oh, yeah? But, that's what you want? Yeah, that's really what I want. But I just, I never was into that black and gold colors, though. That never was for me. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's only special because of the movie. Yeah, I think a lot a lot of people it's special because of the movie. And if you looked at it like just on the street and that movie didn't exist, you'd be like, "Oh, what the hell is this? What the hell is this thing?" Yeah. But it's special because of the movie. So you know, you got a lot of that stuff in the Aston Martin line and things like that that's special because it's in the Bond. You know, so I I get it. But the last Firebird didn't have that body style. Obviously, you know, it was a much different. Had those big hood scoops on it and all those different things. I I don't know. Chevy's confusing me with. They seem to be all over the map. So would it surprise me? No, because I think it's never been easier to bring it back if you're just going all electric. Yeah. Well, I saw something the other day that I go, well, I know every detailer, especially, listen, every YouTube, let me rephrase that. Every YouTube detailer would have loved this opportunity. And it was a 1982 Lamborghini Countach. And I think it's one you said you absolutely love those cars. I got, well, there's, a, there's a picture right behind me right here. Yeah, so it's one it of the big reasons I got into cars. I mean, the Countach is, is special, you know, and there's there's just no denying. I mean, there was a Cindy Crawford Pepsi ad with the red and gold Countach. And at the end of the day, that was iconic for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, this one's set uh, it, since 2000 in storage because the guy never decided to get it serviced. And it he died, and now it's being revealed. And there's going to be some lucky YouTube detailer, I guarantee you, that will yep. get to work on this car, and hopefully we will get to see it. And then it'll go to auction. And we'll we'll get to yeah. to rave about it. That'll be a hell of a service bill, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every gasket, every oil leak, every. I mean, I can only imagine everything. And imagine, I mean, but then the guy that's that gets to detail it too. Yeah, it's all that stuff he gets to go into and work. Well, the on. question is, do they take it to auction as is? 
Mm. You know, barn fine, that kind of thing. Depends on who gets the auction. I, I haven't seen where they said they're going to display it, but I'm guessing Sotheby's or Gooding or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So we talked last week uh, about, uh, you, know, you know, briefly just for a minute, but we talked for a half a second about, uh, you know, the free product guy. And I got an email this week and it was pretty interesting. And it was, uh, you know, some more guy, you know, another guy wanted some free product. And he wanted to let me know that he, you know, cause I said, okay, once again, do you, do you give out free product? And he was a, another guy that was very passionate, right. Wanting to explain to me about how passionate he was about his work. And, you know, so because I'm so passionate about my work, yeah, it's okay. It's not about the money. It's really just about the passion about detailing. Uh, that's, that gets into a very scary, slippery slope if, if you yeah. are only concerned about passion. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of said something. You asked him, you said, hey, do you detail for free? You know, do you give away your services? And he basically told you yes. Yeah, because it's not about the money. Uh, number one, I largely don't believe that. You know, you and I have talked before about the moral high ground police. You know, yeah, that, we'll get that, into that some more, no doubt. They... they will say things in talking to you or someone else or anybody out there. And we hear this from every company. And I think it's important to share these stories because they're actually things that happen, right? We need to share the things that are going on and, and, and we can provide our opinion on them. But there comes a point in time where when you're asking somebody for something free and then they go, hey, do you provide your service for free? And somebody goes, well, yeah, I do this out of passion. I've never walked into a store and said, Hey, Walmart, I'm walking out with these groceries. Here's the passion that I have. And they go, Hey, they go, Oh, cool. You're all good. Walk right out. I mean, they check your receipt because you have to give them money to walk out of the store. Uh, I, I think we find ourselves in this interesting time where a lot of men and women in all aspects of life, but we happen to be in the detailing world, try to take the moral high ground every time you enter a conversation with them and you and I see this at hyperclean. I see it at VR. I, you see it everywhere. You see it in politics. You see it in, you know, plumbing. You, you just see it everywhere. Everybody trying to take the moral high ground. And when you would go stoop as low to go, well, yeah, I give away my service for, for, for free because money doesn't matter. I, I'm passionate, Marty. Like, so send me some free stuff. Like, does that sound Marty, like somebody's actually giving away free services, or is it just a BS line trying to get something? Well, of course, it's a BS line, right? Of course. And, and the ironic part there, too, is, right, which is what you said is you, I should actually kind of be more elite, right? And you should actually kind of be the guy that does ever ask for it. You should be the guy that people want to work with. And that's that's the ironic part, right? Like most I would say most of the detailers that listen to these episodes or anybody that, you know, is listening that isn't necessarily professionally detailing a car, they want to be elite at something, right? Like, and if you're a detailer, most detailers want to go, I'm an elite detailer. Well, there's nothing about, you know, asking for products that make you elite. And I actually, as, you know, interesting thinking about it is, as I've, you know, looked back over the past years of detailers that have been in the area, we just recorded a video, you know, as we release our five year coming out very soon, 
you know, there's a little hint, hint. People can go check some stuff out. It's coming out very quickly, very soon. And, you know, we recorded our, our you know, kind of promo video and did it at a, a shop that, you know, the guy years and years, and we're talking a long time ago, uh, I, and I don't know the exact date that he started his uh, business, but I remember he came to one of our very early clinics that we put on for local detailers on polishing, on correcting paint, on using compound, the differences between compounds and polishes and the differences between compounds and polishes that are in the market, right? How different ones are made and all that. He, he then trajectory built his business to where we can now say he is elite. Now there was probably 15, 16 other individuals in that clinic that I put on, but majority of those people are either a out of business which there's some ones there that are, you know, <laughs> then there's the others that have just kind of plateaued. They're just kind of yep. doing, which we know today, you can't be plateauing today if you were doing the same as you were doing three to four years ago. So you kind of understand where their business is. And you got this guy. He's kind of made himself to be an elite shop over a yep. long period of time. Well, we get these young guys that come in and they want to be elite within two years. You know, I, yeah. I, I want to put on these long terms and I want to do these big cracks. I want to do all this stuff and I want to do it after, well, only being in business for a couple of years. It's ironically not elite. Yeah, no. no, I mean, elite takes a long time, right? So you go to this guy's shop and you know where he started. He started by himself. You know that for a fact. You were there at the beginning or got to see the beginning. And when you visited with him last week, he was sitting in an office while his technicians were out in, in the shop. And so he made a conscious decision of, I'm going to be a business owner. I'm not going to be a technician. And there gets into the elite mindset. We have so many people, i.e. the guy that, that, that tells you it's all about passion. All good, man. But you're, a lot of that talk is leading you to be a technician and kid yourself that you're a business owner. And they're very two very different things. When I look at my business today, and I said this to you last week, I'm not the best technician in my business today, not, not to do what my guys do. They do it every day. They're wildly efficient. They work their tail off. They're in it every day. I largely don't detail all day every day. Why should I want to be an elite technician now when my job is to book jobs, to do quality control, to handle accounting, to handle marketing, to handle sales? I spend all weekend at a, at a, at a um, networking event that I go to every year with people that have lots of money. So I worked seven days last week. I worked Monday through Friday and I spent Saturday and Sunday involved in this thing that is going to get us two to three new clients. That's my job. Well, if I'm a technician and I'm working seven days a week, I couldn't have gone to that networking event. I couldn't have had access to get these three customers because what would I have been doing those days? I'd have been working on the car. And so there's a real dividing line here, right, Marty? I mean, you've seen it with this guy that we're referencing. At some point, you got to ask yourself, what do you want to be? You want to be the world's greatest detailer? I think that's awesome. It, it probably should not be in a business ownership mindset 
because business ownership, my days today are not about being the best paint correction guy. It's about my team being the best at paint correction, my team being watched over and quality control and have me step in and train some things that we may be lacking on. I think people find this very hard to believe, but for you to actually get to a level of elite ownership, you're going to have to put the polisher down. You're going to have to put the film down, whatever it is you're doing, and you're going to have to learn how to train your team. And then what should happen is you should have such good team members that you look at it and go, wow, that guy's, that guy's better than me. Because guess what that means? He's making a lot of money. The business is successful. Everybody's eating. And there's where you get to the moral high ground. One of the interesting things about the moral high ground and this passion talk, there's nothing more moral than I have 10 to 12 guys eating off my business, feeding their families, doing great things for their life. That's moral. You want to get to the moral high ground. The more people that I can affect, the better. What about if you have this thing? I hate car washes. Okay, well, how do you solve that problem for your customer then? There's the moral high ground. And that's why that guy emailing you and saying, I give everything away or this and that. It's like, dude, that's not the moral high ground. Go out and build a big company and affect a lot of people's lives. And you'll start to see that that's a lot more fulfilling than, than anything just, just holding a polisher could be. And this is from a business ownership perspective. Not, I think it's great, guys, want to detail at an elite level you got to find out where that fits in the market. It largely doesn't fit with the word business ownership. Okay, let's unpack. And I'm so glad you said that right there at the end, because let's that's what I wanted to unpack, right? Because there has to be, there has been, not has to be, there has been a heartbeat through the industry that eliteness or greatness comes with a skill set, right? In order to be elite in detailing, you need to have achieved these skills. And those skills usually require things that you do manually with your hands, because those are the skills that the qualified people in the industry can teach. They can teach yep. how to hold the polisher, how to move it, how to put the product on a pad, how to apply it this way. These are all very good skills. But you just said that to be elite isn't really about skill set. It's not about what I know on a skill. I've always wondered, and this is somebody's people ask me this all the time, you know, throughout my life, it's been kind of like, well, what do you know? Right? Like, so what yep. do you know? Like if you're a detailer and you're a business owner, right? Like what should you know? Should you know everything about everything or should you know just a little bit enough about everything so that you can make everything cohesive. And that's what I mean by this is, do I need to know the intricacies of how much to put on a pad and how many times to move it and, and all this? Should I? Yeah, I, I should learn this. It's, this is part of the detailing business. Yep. Right? Yep. This yep. will make you a good business to have yep. good service. But if I learn too much about all that, then I'm lacking in other areas of the business. So how much yep. should I actually know? Yeah, there's there's always a cutoff point, right? Let's say you're doing massive corrections. You're always doing two-step, heavy cut, heavy finish stuff. As a business owner, you're going to need to know how to build your system out so you can teach your employees how to do it, your team members how to do it. 
But if you're not selling that very often, then how much time should I invest to that? Right? If you're a PPF shop, you as the owner are going to have to develop the basics to get the PPF laid down properly. But once you get past that, now you're trying to do every advanced technique that exists and you're spending all your time trying to become an elite installer, you're taking away from the marketing and the sales and the growth of your business. So you have to have a cutoff point, okay? You have to ask, what are we trying to accomplish as a business? If I'm doing nothing but one steps, you need to have a system for that. But here's what's going to happen inside that system or what I found and what many business owners in this industry, whether it be tint or PPF or, or paint correction, have also told me. They built this system. Then they bring in a technician. That technician takes that system and just builds on it. And so what actually ends up happening as a business owner is my guys will come into the Monday morning meeting and say, hey, I think we should do this differently. Let me show you why. And you go, yep, that's now part of our system. Or no, look, man, that's too inefficient. You're not really getting the better results. See here and here. And there's the quality control of it all. Is that I want to teach my guys how to do every service we do. But what should happen is they should be able to perform that service faster than you eventually because they get so good and so efficient. They also should be the guys that can bring you new tips and tricks and go, hey, I kind of, you know, stumbled upon this one day. Let me show you something. And they show you and you go, damn, dude, that is better. This is now how we're going to do it, right? And so there's a lot of people that think skill set is something I have to drive forward all the time. No, you drive it to a certain point and then your team should be the ones that start to drive it forward. And you go, oh, man, you really great. Yep, let's, let's put that in. Or no, look, man, it didn't work. Let me show you what I saw. Those are the type of things that you should want to have happen. I want my team to be better at detailing a car than me. I don't take that as an offense. And so many guys are so caught up in being the best detailer. I think it makes it really hard to be a great owner. Well, but I, I, I want to push back a little bit because, because that's what we're taught, right? We're taught that if I'm going to be the best detailer in my area, once again, most of us want to be the best. We want to be a lead then I need to be the best at certain skills. Sure. I need to be able to offer PPF. I need to be able to offer window tint. I need to be able to do paint correction. I need to be able to put on all these layers, right? Like I need to be able to do this. I need to achieve. I, I, I. Well, you do need to be competent. You need to know what you're looking at. You need to know how to build the basic systems for your business. But you also need to know, okay, this guy's better suited to launch the temp part of my business. I'm going to let him launch it. That's what he does really well. So he's going to do the majority of our installs. Then he's going to train the rest of our staff. He's going to be the person that heads this up. Now, again, that takes time to get there. And we all start off by ourselves. And so when you're by yourself, you need to be thinking of, is this system replicable? It. I need to have a great system of cleaning tires and wheels. You're going to develop that base system, but that system is going to evolve because of the team members you bring on that find more efficient and better ways to do it. You being out there doing it all day and, and alongside your team doesn't benefit your team. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't benefit the business. 
you have to separate the technician from the business owner. And again, if you really love the technician part of it, then maybe business ownership isn't the right move. And that's perfectly okay. That, that's not a, it, it's looked at too negatively. Does the skill set, though, of having certain skills make me more money? Some people would say yes, right? Like they would say, if I can polish, if I can cut, if I can perform these services and I can put on all these layers and I can do all this, then it, it's going to make me more money. It'll, it'll make you more money, but that money will be capped to how much you can do. So if I have 10 guys and you have just yourself, there's no chance you're going to ever be able to compete with me on revenue. That's just the reality because I'm now multiplying my skills over 10 different people. You're multiplying the skills just with yourself. And that that's where we try to tell guys all the time, you got to ask yourself if you want to be an owner. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing morally superior just because you choose to be an owner. All of a sudden your life isn't better or you're not better than anybody. It's just a different role. Take it like this. You walked out to a construction site and the guy that you talked to about doing the construction on your home had a nice long sleeve business shirt on and maybe some jeans or some slacks. Would you feel weird if you saw him laying brick all day? You'd be like, how's he watching what the electrician's doing? Or how's he watching? The You'd be like, what the hell is going on here? Why? Because you think he's the owner and he's got to watch the bricklayer and he's got to watch the carpenter and he's got to watch the, the plumbers and he's got to stay on top of his business. And so when you take it from that angle and you look at it and go, I couldn't stay on my business if I was doing PPF installs all day, every day. My guys would just, because my job is to keep the quality control. My got, job is to watch and make sure guys aren't slipping, to step in when we have issues with a customer, to market, to sell, to do the accounting, to make sure everybody gets paid. When would the time come in that I could sit there for 60 hours a week and do nothing but detail and have this robust business? It just doesn't make any logical sense. And go back to that superintendent at the, at the construction site. If you saw that guy you know, doing all the plumbing on your house, you'd be like, how's he going to watch the painter? Like, look at this guy, he's screwing up over here. And you, you, you'd go, this doesn't make sense. And so again, this is where we get into, you have to see what, what, what's the question you're trying to answer. Are you trying to build a business or are you trying to be a great detailer? And, and you have to make those decisions honestly for yourself. Because if you find, you know, you talked about this guy, you were in a shop last week. Those technicians of his are making a really good living. They got a really good life. There's nothing wrong with technician. Like if you choose that, man, I'm all in. I think a lot of people should choose that. Very few people should choose business ownership, but guys don't want to hear it. And every superintendent at every construction site will tell you the same thing. I just wish these guys would work for me and stop trying to do their own thing. That guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's losing money on every job. I could really help him, but he won't listen to me. It's happening everywhere because we think there's some American dream that means you have to open a business. And if you don't make that decision and get really black and white with it, I, I don't see, Marty, you and I have talked about this. I know some of the greatest paint polishers. I've watched them try to have their own business for years. They're still by themselves. They're still in their garage. They haven't built. They're still having to pick up a polisher, which they'll tell you behind the scenes. They hate, they despise that they have to do it every day. They got caught. 
They didn't make the decision years ago to say, let me go partner with great businesses and just have my life be much easier. And let me tell you something behind the scenes, they'll always tell you I'm tired of holding the polisher behind the scenes in this shop though, man, we were blasting out some nineties and early two thousands. I had some biggie. We had some Tupac, like we had some really great music going. We went back in the day with some stuff. I didn't put it on. I didn't do it, but I was jamming out, having a blast. These guys where you could tell their heads were down. They were working. They were cutting. They were putting on. They were doing everything, man. And they were smiling, and they were having a good time. So, Yeah, and there's a, there's a ton of benefit. Like, people, yeah. you, you've seen me interact with, with my guys. All we do is joke around all day. My guys like coming to work. I like when they come to work. You want to know why? Everybody understands their role. There's only one Michael Jordan on the Bulls. There wasn't five of them. Those other four guys had an important role on the floor. I think it's important to say that stuff because you know what people don't realize? That's the great thing about this. You have a lot more fun when you find out what you really want to do. Don't lie to yourself that you want to be a business owner and all you're worried about is being a technician. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely write. Everybody wants to be. It's a great analogy. Everybody does want to be Michael, right? And then, of yep. course, you go into all that. Well, did the other four people put in the amount of time? Did they do the free throws? Did they do everything? We're, we're not sure. We, we don't know, but most likely they didn't. Now, did Michael have a skill? Yeah, he did. But he also put in the work to get to that yep. skill. Could yep. this guy be the best and be known around this town as being the absolute best polisher? He could. But now he's known as having the biggest and the best business and he's flooded. And you, and you were there and you never saw him pick up a polisher, a piece of yeah. film, yeah. none of that. He was sitting in his office doing his role to make that team go. You know, and one thing I, I, I know that he's never really been into, and this is what has made him unique. And it, it's kind of ironic to say, cause we're seeing some posts and there's, there's discussion more lately about people that copy Right. And inside of the detailing world, it's always a fear of, in a sense, if, well, maybe that guy's going to copy, or maybe this guy's going to copy, or maybe that guy's going to, it's, it's tough. We, we many times think about like, but there really isn't a path for people to success. If they're going to be copycatters, they're, they're not, they actually yeah. need to start to solidify themselves as being more unique. I think it, yeah. it's a strategy actually, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I talk about this. There's guys that are completely consumed with their competition. It's all they think about all day. These three guys, these five shops, these 10 shops. And, you know, we've even had people, you know, Marty, I, I remember a conversation I had recently, and I'll, I'll share it here, where I was told point blank, guy was deciding between a shop and mobile. And he says to me, there's nobody in my town. Everybody wants mobile. Yeah, there's a couple shops here. You know what I come to find out? The number one PPF dealer in his entire state is like two miles from where he told me he was going to set up shop, but he told me there was nobody elite. People don't like going to a shop. How did he become dealer of the year for that PPF company? Right? How did that happen? Well, because this guy didn't actually know what was going on in his town. He had told himself, no, man, everybody wants mobile. No, everybody you're doing business with wants mobile. 
So you need to choose mobile because of how you've sold your services, which is all good. I was mobile for years, purely mobile. I thought it was my best leg up in this town. And I thought, and I was right. Doing elite level work on a mobile scale wasn't really happening in a, in a wide scale way in 2010, right? But I was never consumed with my competition. This is what I thought the market needed. This is what I was going to sell. These are the people I was going to target. I had no reason to copy anybody because quite, quite frankly, when I started my business, nobody was doing the things I was going to present to my customers. And this is where we talk about the mouse trap, right? Are you building a better mousetrap in your area for the things you think are missing? Or are you just opening a detailing business? Hmm, say that one more time. Yeah, you got you got to look at what mousetrap you're trying to set for customers, right? How are you going to make things different than what everybody else is doing? If you're just opening a detailing business because you want to detail, you're not really answering any questions. What customer are you going after? What do you think is missing in your area? What are you going to market that makes you different than everyone else? All of these types of questions. And look, we've all kind of got into business and looked around and go, man, I didn't know what all this was about. So it isn't like you're going to have every answer in the book. I didn't. I still don't. You still don't. Nobody has every answer to, to the test. But I knew who I was trying to sell to. I knew the things I was doing wasn't really happening. I knew I had a unique situation that I was going to present to customers so I felt that was my leg up. I didn't go look at what's this guy doing, what's that guy doing, what this guy's doing. I just thought, hey, man, I just kind of see something missing. I'm going to fill it. And that's all that I concentrated on and largely never knew about the other businesses, still couldn't tell you the majority of the businesses that I'm quote unquote competing with. I've told people this. I go the opposite direction. I'd rather not know any shop or any what anybody's doing and build my business the way I think it needs to be built to help the most customers that I'm trying to do business with, rather than sitting there and saying what this guy doing, what that gal's doing. I just, I don't think that's ever a positive way to look at it. No, I agree. It's not a positive way to look at it. I, there's definitely, you know, there's a group of people and we we've known them. We've all seen them and it doesn't matter if it's in person, if it's in public, if it's in a group or whatever, you can also always see these people that they just have this chip on their shoulder and you start yeah. to talk to them and you go, okay, right. There's also this guy, there's this chip on the shoulder guy. And listen, I chip on your shoulder guy. Is he wrong? Cause there's plenty of people that are. No, I think all of us that are successful in business yeah. have some sort of chip, right? Every successful CEO out there has a chip on their shoulder. Some teacher that says they weren't going to mount anything or, Maybe their parents weren't the greatest and told them, hey, you're nothing. I mean, everybody's got a story, right? Everybody's got a story. And, and, and you, to be successful, again, to go back to the Michael Jordan thing, he, I mean, this guy had a chip on his shoulder at his Hall of Fame speech and he roasted everybody. But then you start to peel back the layers and realize he's not a happy guy. He hasn't learned to take that baggage that comes along with the chip and throw it in the trash, Right. There's some point in time where you're always going to have a chip on your shoulder, but this whole me against the world thing, we see so many guys and gals and every business try to, that, that's what's going to make you successful. At some point, you're going to need people. You're going to need team members. You're going to need good vendors. You're going to need a good landlord. You're going to need a good attorney. You're going to need a good accountant. So how much of it is you versus the world really? 
in my business, it's not me versus the world. I got a lot of support. I mean, you look at HQ at HyperClean and the things that they do for our business, how much of a chip on our shoulder and, and hating the world and me versus the world can we really do inside HyperClean? We partner with all kinds of different contractors. We have all kinds of different suppliers. Marty, how far would we get if we had this me versus the world type of chip? Well, it'd just be me and you, right? And then that would definitely yeah. be the, uh, the, that the, wouldn't be good. <laughs> the, the explosion of the yin and yang created the atom bomb for HQ and it would be over. Right. There's no doubt about it. It, it is right. I, there's no, in a, I think most people that listen to us, that's an easy one to shake their head up and down. And most people that would listen to us would go, yeah, I need other people. I get, Yes. I think the overall point that you and I constantly keep seeing, though, is this chip on your shoulder of that they're always right. They can't learn from anybody else, and they're always going to do it their way versus versus the other type of person that you and I get to deal with and we really love that's inside a community. The guy that, you know, picks the brain, asks a question, tells you what's going on, doesn't just vomit at the mouth and say, hey, I need you to tell me this. Uh, coding on this. Well, tell me now, right? Like, there's actually a little bit of an understanding of a relationship, right? Yep. Not an intimate, deep relationship. It's still customer to vendor relationship, but still understanding that there's a little bit of relationship. They don't know everything. And here's ultimately the, the, the premise of why this needs to be talked about kind of in the sense what we say, put out into the ether, right? Because how many people, as you've always said, this is the kind of the, the premise of where we keep going in this little journey and hit back to it is right. Like the premise of how many people know, or what's the other, right? I want to get rich. So what's, there's a difference, right? This is something that you always say, which I wanted to hit back home on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the greatest advice I ever got. I shared it on Saturday. You want to be right. Or do you want to be rich? going to have to make that decision. But a lot of it comes from that chip on your shoulder. You know, we had somebody that was around hyper clean and, and involved with the community pub and, and, and the Facebook group and, and all that kind of stuff. And what we found out, and you're going to be sharing more on this is he never listened to anybody in community. And now he finds himself out of business. Why? Because every time he talked to one of the people in community want to want every post he ever made, every podcast he was ever on in the pub. He was just worried about telling everybody why he was right. You find out he had no experience in the business less than five years. And he put himself in a bad situation to the point he had to close down. And his biggest concern in life, when he got on the community pub, when he got in the Facebook group, what was his biggest concern? Marty, you can speak to it better than anybody is to tell everybody why his way was the right way. And all along, he was failing. And I don't want to see that, which is why we continue to share this. You're going to need people, but you're going to need reliable people that know what they're talking about. This guy was around people that had completely transformed their business, and he never listened to a, It wasn't about Marty and Nick. There were people that had completely transformed their business inside of the community pub. He never listened to. He never listened to them. You can say, oh, well, Marty and Nick have a brand to push. I'm okay, fine. But you didn't listen to these people having massive success either. You didn't listen to anybody. 
except you find out he was listening to like three knuckleheads in his area that didn't know what they were talking about. So I've had to change my mindset on something because I think I was wrong on something. And I want to share this part of it. I assume that a lot of the failures we were seeing were because people didn't have access to the right information. We're finding another large percentage of people that have access to the information, choose not to listen, choose to ignore, and just go down a path that leads to failure. They had access to good information. They just didn't listen at all. Even when they were participating in things and listening to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people over a year say, this has transformed my business, they didn't care. They didn't care. And that is the wildest thing to me because my thought was it was because people were just getting bad information. No, we find this large percentage of people that have access to great information and still don't listen to it, which I think is something I wouldn't have said just six months ago. And I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, but I wouldn't have said that six months ago. Because of the chip on the shoulder? Because they know it all? I mean, this is what we've, we've wondered, right? And it's, it's not just these people, right? You could look over a bunch, right? But let's talk about these particular people. It definitely does seem to be, you know, I got into it. I had some success. It was pretty easy. People told me I was good. I started to get an elevated sense of pride, which we talk about. On, it seems to be yep. something happens inside of detailing where you start growing a business. You start cleaning cars. People tell you you're good. And you get this pride that you actually know everything. And you've yeah. achieved this skill set because they tell you how great you are that now you are elite. And I actually have come to find out over the years, the less I know about something as particular as that, the better off I am. I can actually yep. do better in business to know little bits about so many different things than to be elite yep. about one particular thing. And I actually grew to start not having a chip on my shoulder. I think that's actually how you grow out of that part of business and that part of being a detailer journeying through is actually learning from others, discussing with others, being in a community and realizing that, Hey, it's okay if I don't know everything and I can take this. And by the way, it's a learned behavior. Learn behavior. It's a learned behavior. We all start a business because we have a chip. I don't want to work for this guy. I don't want to work for the man. I want to work for my, I mean, we all have kind of the same story. Right. We all kind of, that's, that's why those interviews are so boring. Tell yeah, me your I'd, story. I'd really like to hear your story though, please. Can you, please tell they're me boring story. because you go by the fifth one, I've heard the story the because all one. of us have a pretty damn similar story, but yeah, I mean, if I still operated with the chip on my shoulder that I had in 2010, I, I'd be gone. I'd, I'd, I'd be out of the business. I'd be on to something else. There's just no doubt in my mind. And until I got my mindset around, I don't want to know everything because quite frankly, that that's just not very successful. I want to learn something. You know, you and I have one of the things we try to instill on HyperClean is we're very big on hiring people to be great at what they're great at because we don't want to be great at that skill, right? How many times have we said that on a phone call, a Zoom call? How many times have we said it in a meeting? I'm coming to you because I don't know what I'm talking about. And here's the funny thing. We actually repeat that. So for many of you that think that I'm just blowing smoke, if we have somebody on the phone that's about to provide a service to our business, at the beginning of the meeting, in some form or fashion, we'll say, 
we're coming to you because we don't know how to do what you do. We need you to be great at this. We need you to handle this. We need you to inform us on the things we need to know about, but we're hiring you to be great at what you do. So it's taken off our plate and put onto yours. And all you have to do is concentrate on what you're great at. If I had a chip on my shoulder the way I did in 2010, I would never hire those people. Think about that. You never hire people better than you at anything if what you think is I'm the greatest that's ever lived. It, it's a it's a tricky thing now. It is. Let's let's take it into a little bit different. We won't beat this to a dead horse. We'll get out of here. But let's take it just to a, a level of just even in interpersonal. Is as people will start to see uh, on social media of hyperclean, the way that we're transitioning our social media happens out of where. You had to look at me. I had to look at myself in the mirror. I had to realize I don't want to be the best videographer. Did I want to try? Absolutely. That's how so much of this all got started, yep. right? The conversation when you and I first actually talked on the phone, I was sitting down. I told the story in my living room, learning how to do videos and trying to work through it. So it's it's been something that I spent years and years and years trying to develop the skill set of creating a good video so that people would buy hyperclean products. Yep. However, if we're going to, which is what you and I had to continually keep diving into into video into to meetings is hey, me doing the videos, is that going to put us to the quote unquote next level? How many detailers need to start looking into their business and going, okay, I really enjoy doing this. I do. It's really great. It's satisfying to me as a person. I can go home and I, I enjoy doing it. But how much of that enjoyment should you take versus if I'm a business owner, do I take this? And this is a different theory than people that aren't. How do I take all this passion, all these things, all this chip on the shoulder, all this stuff that began to people would say, yes, you should do that. You should do that versus I really should do the things that make me money and I yeah. should put money as the number one priority. But then some people start to rub their heads and they go, I can't put money over that. Uh, no, no way. Oh, it's not all about the money. It's not about the money. Okay, okay then go into Walmart and walk out with not paying. It, 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 if you put the money ahead of everything as your guiding light, doesn't mean that's the only driving factor of your business. A lot of people, and I would have misunderstood this too. When you're doing right financially for your business, that means you're going to treat your customer right. Because you know, if I treat my customer right, there's more money after that. I'm going to treat my team right because I don't want to lose them because I want them to like coming here. I want them to continue to want to work and providing great service to my clients. You don't put passion above the economic status of your business for one simple reason. Your business will fold if it doesn't have money. It won't fold if you don't have passion. There are plenty of people that have built companies that pick up trash that don't love trash. And they're flying on a private jet. Okay? So when you allow these kind of lies to, to live in your head, that you love something, so that automatically means you're going to be successful, you're in for a really long life that's not a lot of fun because you're not really living in reality. And again, I still love what I do. 
that's what a lot of people think is going to happen is that somehow along the way, I don't love all this stuff. Well, I wouldn't have gotten involved in hyperclean if I didn't love the detailing of a car. I had no reason to. I had a massively successful business. I have other investments. I wouldn't have put all this time in. So this idea that somehow money makes you less passionate and makes your life worse as a business just isn't factually correct. What actually happens is once you learn how to make your business make money, you actually become more passionate about getting up and going to work because you go, hey, man, this shit's pretty cool. And passion is an emotion. That's why I hate the word. I don't want to run my business on emotion because that's up and down. There's going to be times I love it and times I hate it. If I wake up with that purpose, I'm here to run the best business I can. It's going to be money, how I treat people, how I treat customers, how I treat everybody. You know what's funny? Your passion goes through the roof. You know why Warren Buffett has so much passion at 90 years old? He makes like $40 billion. So his theories of his business have been proven out. Nothing's going to make you more passionate than that. Hey, I've really built something here. That's going to make you want to get up in the morning. And many of the reasons that we get disappointed that guys leave the industry, because guess what? Almost all of them go, yeah, I just don't want to do it anymore. But that was the guy six months ago telling you how passionate he was. You got to put the money up there, man. It doesn't mean it means everything. I never said those words. I'm not saying them now, but it becomes a guiding light of you having a successful business because you can't make payroll. You can't buy new machines. You can't buy the film you need to install. You can't lease your shop without money, period. And so when you get this email from this guy that sits on his high horse and wants you to give him free stuff because he's passionate and he gives free stuff supposedly, no business would be even open. You wouldn't be able to get a Starbucks coffee. You wouldn't be able to find a detailer. You wouldn't be able to get free stuff from HyperClean, supposedly, if the business didn't exist financially. I, I just don't want to lie to myself about what this game really is. And guess what? Money makes the world go round. And if you think because you concentrated on that, you become less passionate, I find it's the exact opposite. You become way more passionate. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. All right, man. Great discussion. We'll see you next week. All right, guys. Hey, community, great discussion. And I am sure there's no doubt in my mind, most of you started to think through some things. You took a little moment, began to look inside of yourself, maybe some things that you need to change. Maybe inside your business, how you can start to push forward. Some things came to your mind. You need to act on them. In order to act on them, you need to start talking about them. So come on, let's talk about it. Send us an email, though. You might not want to go into the HyperClean Specialist Group and just start throwing out all your ideas, right? Send us an email, info at hypercleanstore.com. We'll start talking through some of the ideas that, that you have, how you can progress. What chip on your shoulder did you have? How should you be concerned more about the money? Maybe Wash Clay Uno is the package for you. You've heard about people talking about it on the pub, on these episodes, but you've yet to pull the trigger. How many wash clay unos could you perform this week? Just imagine how much more money that would bring to your account. This is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.